Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey guys, what's up? This is Nina Perez and this is Straight Talk No Sugar Added. And you know that we are here to discuss real life topics to grow, challenge, and transform your thinking. And you know I love to find like really freaking awesome people to come on here and talk to you and like really expand the way you think. And I found Ryan Chaw. And he graduated as a doctor in pharmacy, but he was inspired to do real estate investing by his grandfather. So I'm going to get into that. I can't wait to hear about that Ryan. And so he created a system getting consistent, high quality tenants self. And I saw this self managing the property and decreasing expenses through preventative maintenance. And he makes now about 17 plus thousand per month in rental income. And that's really impressive, Ryan, really impressive. So we're going to get into all of that. And my audience is so freaking awesome. I love them. They're like super connected. Um, I, you know, we get about 30,000 plus downloads a month. So you're going to be talking to a really good audience that's interested. So Ryan, Mm -hmm. before we get into the nitty gritty, I want to know a little bit more about you. So tell us a little bit about you, Ryan. Thank you for inviting me on the show, Nina, first off. Glad um, you're here. But yeah, you explained the background very well. Uh, basically, I got into real estate investing soon after I started my job as a pharmacist because I saw my grandpa do it. Uh, he bought a couple of properties in the Bay Area back in the 50s when they were like dirt cheap. And as mm-hmm. we all know, the San Francisco Bay Area went up in price like crazy. So he was able to retire early. And not only that nice. helped cover part of my college tuition and that of my brothers as well. So I realized that real estate's one of the best ways to create generational wealth. And I wanted to get started as soon as possible. I bought my first property back in 2016 and bought uh, one to two a year by reinvesting the cash flow, uh, investing some of my W-2 income into that. And now I'm at uh, six properties, actually seven wow. now, uh, making $18,000 a month, a little bit wow. over 18000 a month now. So you're so you nobody had a heart attack when you told them you were leaving the pharmacist, the pharmacist role, your parents didn't die or anything like, oh, God, what are you doing? Did they do that or no? You know, at first, my parents were kind of questioning it a little bit because they're like, how are you going to get tenants? How are you going to market? How are you going to, you know, set everything up? Right. Um, but I kind of figured things out along the way and I made it work. Right. And I was able to do this while I was still working my 40 hour position as a pharmacist. In fact, I did a lot of overtime shifts as well. I worked two mm-hmm. jobs at the very beginning mm-hmm. and I was able to kind of create the system over time and optimize it and test it out until I was able to bring on. I think I now have about 32 tenants or so um, making wow. me again $18,000 a month. And that's also what allowed me to become a millionaire by the time I hit 28. 
Right. And that's that's super impressive, Ryan. I mean, in, in something that uh, the reason I love that we're having this conversation is because I know that a lot of people uh, that I speak to are doing uh, not similar to what you're doing, but they're looking at real estate as, as a system that they would like to start you know, investing in. Right. And so, as you know, um, because you're in it, the market went up really high, right. This last like year or two, you couldn't even find anything to buy on the market. Right. Yeah. So when your grandfather did it, he, um, he kind of came in at a lower point and then he was able to, you know, retire early because of it. Now, when you came in it, you kind of did too a little bit, right. Because you came in right before all of the the c word and all of that stuff started right, right? right yeah, um yeah. so so how did you or how are you managing that now like when when these prices were are as high as they i think they're going a little down now but you could probably tell me better than that um mm -hmm. how did you manage all of that buying property at a higher price and and you know the rent and all of that stuff yeah, first off, the strategy involves actually renting by the room. So typically, we oh. actually double or even maybe even triple your rental income on right. the property. So a normal property that will rent out for like 1500, you can actually get like five or six bedrooms in there. Let's say you get like five bedrooms, you charge $600 per bedroom. Now you're actually renting it out at like $3,3100 per month, rather than the $1,500 per month. So that's how I was able to make cash flow even during you know COVID, uh the, the c word like you said yeah. <laughs> even afterwards right um even now That's i smart. actually purchased two properties this year even though the interest rates are higher you're still able to cash flow very very well with this strategy That's um, a really and keep smart in mind strategy. that Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. It definitely plays into the rent by the rent by the room strategy is really what gives the strategy a lot of power. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing that you have to realize is real estate is a buy and then wait game, not a wait it out and then try to time the market to buy. Because with inflation happening, the rent goes up, um, mm -hmm, appreciation mm -hmm. goes up, generally speaking, mm -hmm. um, it might come down a little bit because of the rates. But if you buy in markets that have a lot of high income jobs, then most likely you will see appreciation throughout time if you look at the real estate graphs. So what seems expensive now will actually look a lot cheaper looking back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I used to think a two hundred and sixty thousand dollar house in Central California was super expensive. Now I'm looking at the houses and they're like forty four hundred thousand. Right. Like and I'm like, house. wow, I got it at a cheap rate. But back then yeah. it actually looked expensive to me. And I was like, why yeah. am I paying so much for a property? Right. right. Uh, but you have to realize with inflation, uh, let's say inflation is at five percent. Ten years down the road, that means the dollar is going to be 50 percent cheaper. So mm -hmm. this, you know, five hundred thousand dollar house you're looking at looks actually like a $250,000 house in, in 10 years time. Right. Right. Sense? Yeah, 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 it does. And so let's talk about your strategy a little bit, because I, that sounds to me like you're going to be around places that have a lot of like colleges or, you know, things like that. Right. Because where else would you really rent by the room? So tell, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, exactly. So I started out renting in college towns. And I actually choose uh, high end colleges, usually ones that uh, have a pretty high GPA requirement. Well, you have to be well rounded, and you mm -hmm. have to be very serious about your academics. Uh, usually, I choose colleges that also have a lot of grad programs such as pharmacy, dental school, MD, so JD, good. 
engineering, you know, um, basically I, I find high quality tenants by choosing the right college and then I'll rent out by the room and buy as close to the college. Usually I'm within like a five minute walking distance or a five minute driving distance from the campus mm -hmm. so that, you know, we're basically um, a very in demand uh, area, right? Because if I buy within five minutes walking distance and I charge half the price of on-campus housing, which right. is what we're doing, we're charging more like 650 versus on-campus is charging 900 to $1,200 a month. It makes sense for a lot of students to go ahead with what we provide. Right. That's really, 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 really smart, Ryan. Really smart. I love that. So that. and it was also when I was also reading, um, you you have a um, self managing a managing system. So I, is it, are you telling me that basically your tenants are managing the home or managing what they're doing? Is that is that what you mean? Yeah. So some of what I do is like tenant empowerment. So I have house rules, tenant responsibilities, um, things like, let's say you need to show the house to the new prospective tenants. You could have the current tenants go ahead and do the showing or mm. potentially you could hire on like a contractor to go ahead and open the house for them. There's a lot of ways to make sure that this is all hands off. There's also software out there like Tenant Cloud and Rent Ready are just a few examples um, where you can basically manage all the rent collection through the software, all the lease oh. signing. If there's a repair request, they can input it into the software app or the, the phone app or the software, and then they'll send a request to your contractor to get the work done. And then, of course, the contractor can let themselves in with the lockbox code. Uh, but basically, mm -hmm. everything can mm -hmm. be automated if you do do it correctly. So when you have the, the tenants coming to stay in these rooms, um, it sounds to me it would just be during the school sessions, right? The school time. So does that or do they rent throughout the year and just, just stay there? How do you work that out? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's fall semester, spring semester, and summer semester typically. So mm -hmm. usually what I do is I'll buy and then I'll rent out starting one of those semesters. So if I buy in like April, for instance, I'll probably rent out summer semester, starting summer semester. And mm -hmm. what I want to do is get everyone on an August to August lease eventually. Got so it. all my leases right now are one-year leases from like mid-August of this year to mid-August of next year. Um, Got it. The reason why I do that, and they can always sublease it during the time they're not there. So usually it's like fall, spring, they'll be there. Sometimes they'll do summer sessions as well, or they'll mm -hmm. uh, basically find a subletter who's going to summer school who needs a, a cheap place to stay. And so that's kind of how I do it. Um, I'll basically do a lease until July 31st. And then after that, it's August to August. Got it. Really, really smart. So now when you have um, these uh, great uh, places near these colleges, are you going across the U.S.? Are you staying only in California? Like, how are you working that out? Because, you know, tenants sometimes be a pain in the neck, right? Even though you're trying to find like the best tenants, tenants right, can be right. difficult, right? Renting can be a, it could be, you have to want to be somebody who rents is what I'm trying to say. So do you rent throughout the, the country or just in one location or how are you working that? So actually, I do like California a lot because you can still get a lot of cash flow in here. If you do this method, um, mm -hmm. usually the traditional method of just renting out the whole house, it's harder to get cash flow. Um, but mm -hmm. California has a ton of appreciation. Uh, over the last five years, my houses appreciated about $50,000 per house per year. Mm -hmm. um, and but, you know, I'm also expanding to out of state as well, because out of state usually has more of that cash flow. If you're looking for more like maybe a net 
uh, cash flow of $2,000 a month or $2,500 a month, that's when it makes sense to go out of state. Okay. Um, so I do have six in California, and then I have one in Alabama, and then I'm also in contract on a house in um, Ohio as well. That one I'm excited about. It's actually, uh, uh, we, we're getting it for 210000 and we're going to be renting it out for 3900 a month uh, to mm -hmm. students, to six students. Um, and uh, one thing I would say, actually, uh, since you're asking about out of state, is you do want to make sure you follow the local ordinances. So the mm -hmm. first step that I take is I always call the planning department or the planning division and ask them, hey, can I provide student housing? Are there any restrictions on unrelated tenants or unrelated occupants? And so oh, okay. once you make sure that's okay, then yeah, you can go ahead and uh, do that. But yeah, the, the latest deal, super excited. We'll probably get $2,300 per month in net cash flow. Because again, mm -hmm. the house was like, is we're buying it for 210000 and then we're renting it out for 3900 a month. Right. That's fantastic. Now, do you have um, like a, a management team or something that helps you kind of manage all of these places? Yeah, that's a lot so, for one human. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, eventually, you know, I'm going to move to a model where I'm going to hire a property manager for all yeah. these properties. Uh, but for right now, because I have a system in place and software and um, basically boots on the ground. So a lot of this is finding boots on the ground, finding the right mm -hmm, handyman, mm -hmm. having a list of contractors that you can count on in case something breaks down. That's Once good. you do that, um, property, and you know how to market as well, then property management is kind of optional. Um, mm -hmm. But again, it, like it depends on how hands-on you want to be as well. But yeah. I've, I've been able to do this while working uh, four days a week as a pharmacist. Uh, and when I started, I was working 40 hours a week. Right. So tell me a little bit about your system then, because um, what you're saying makes uh, it just makes a lot of sense. And I know that people are probably listening right now and thinking, how do I do this? Right. How do I get into this? Um, because a lot of people, as you know, there's a lot right now, is, especially on advertising. Right. There's a lot of things with um, doing like um, uh, Airbnbs Airbnb. and things yeah. like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is this is a little different. This is more niched. Right. And so, uh, but it's smart. It's really smart. And I love the, the strategy that you're using with going to um, these more uh, prestigious higher end colleges, right? Because, well, we also know that the money's also there too, right? Because they're paying to get into these schools. So that's a, that's really strategic. So tell me a little bit about your program and what, like somebody who's listening right now that may be very interested in this, how do they get started? And what does that look like? You don't have to give me like every step by step, but I do want the gist of what this program does. Yeah, so it's really important you start with um, determining the market demand first. So uh, determining market demand is actually relatively simple, believe it or not, or not. You just have to contact the people who are interested in renting at your place. So talking mm -hmm. to students, talking to landlords in the area, maybe apartments, call up, calling up apartments, seeing how fast they got booked up, right? Maybe mm. you call the apartment, they'll say, oh, yeah, we've been booked up with students since May. That means there's probably a lot of demand in that area, right? Um, also calling Smart. student housing, asking them a few questions. Um, so we basically start off with determining the market demand in your area, or if not in your area, we'll look at several cities around your area, or if you're interested in investing out of state, we can explore that as well. It's all customizable. Um, 
The next thing we do is obviously start looking at actual deals. So calculating the ROI on that, and we'll use a deal analysis calculator to go make sure we have a high cash on cash return and a high mm -hmm. cap rate, all those measures of return on investment. Um, and then from there, we basically put an offer on, on the property, negotiate it, uh, do some marketing. So I'll, I'll show you how to market on Facebook groups as well as Craigslist, Uloop. There's a lot of resources out there to market your property. Um, and I'll show you how to kind of walk the tenant through um, basically the rental application all the way to the uh, end where they sign a lease. And then from there, you have signed leases. You just have to set up um, the renovations with the contractors. And after that, it's just management work. I know it sounds a little bit like a, a lengthy process, but most people no, uh, finish really. this within like mm -hmm. two months or so. Like yeah, no, it doesn't sound lengthy. I think it, it sounds like it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, when you were talking about, um, you know, finding uh, like a maintenance guy and a contractor and all, I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't even think of that. But that's true. That's super important, especially mm -hmm. because you're having renters, right? So you, you know, there's going to be a bump in a wall here and a scratch there and a toilet that get clogged clogged up or whatever yeah, but that's yeah. uh that's a really smart uh really smart investment um do you ever yeah, did you yeah. ever or do you ever recommend for your maybe on your first your first purchase for that person who owns it to stay there like do you ever recommend for somebody to like uh maybe live on the property or near the property does that matter that's another to you, option you know? yeah so if yeah. you uh, want to do something like a house hack where you put a three and a half percent down payment. You put a, you basically put a lot less down payment on the property, but you want, you have to live there for a year. Um, okay. And you can do this for like a duplex where you live in one unit and then you rent out the other. So a mm. lot of people like in LA, for instance, they'll go ahead and do that because they save a lot of money instead of paying like, you know, $1,500 in rent. They instead buy the the property for three and a half percent down so they can afford it and then they'll rent out the other part which Smart. will basically pay for their housing for for where they're staying then mm -hmm. so and yeah then that, that investment is for the Live out that's smart right. right no no i was gonna say that's smart because when you do that and you do that hack for the for the first one then you you're gonna get the income that you need to go ahead and purchase that second one right and the third yeah one, exactly it really snowballed yeah. from there yeah yeah um, basically yeah. the first house is always the hardest um mm -hmm. and after that you kind of already created the system so you just have to copy it for the two mm -hmm. three four five six seven eight houses yeah so how However long is you your want. how long is your system how long so is the system? It typically takes about a month and a half to three months or so That's to go from identifying a deal, or identifying market demand to identifying the deal to um, bringing, getting the place fully occupied with tenants. Wow. That's actually, that's not bad at all. That's not bad at all. Right. Um, and I know that I don't know how the market is right now, but I know for a while the market was, was pretty uh, tough. I don't know what it's like now, but um, you know, when you were, look at enough property you almost had to make the decision on the spot do you still find yeah. that or are you able to step back for a second and 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 see what it is you really want to do do you think there's room now to breathe or no oh yeah definitely if you're a buyer this is like a really good time to buy right now you're not dealing with any other buyers a lot of people are spooked so they're staying out of the market as a buyer you can you basically have a lot of negotiating uh, wiggle room because oh, uh, like for instance the one that we just put an offer on um 
if they were asking for 225,000, we got it down to 210,000 right away. And then we also got another $6,000 towards closing costs. Um, So that's almost what 15 plus six, that's almost $21,000 discount. So as a buyer, you you have the advantage in this market because uh, people are afraid with the high interest rates, they can't afford to buy a property or or they're just worried about where the market's going to uh, go. Right. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. you have a lot less people competing versus Mm -hmm. back during uh, 2021 or whatever. People were putting offers in for like one hundred thousand over asking their cash, all that type of stuff. Um, This is a totally different market. So if you're looking to get into real estate, this is actually a good time if you're a buyer. That's great. And that's good to hear. Right. That's good to hear from somebody who is buying property because there's a lot of people who who do want to buy and and they've been hesitant. Like you said, a lot of people are a little bit hesitant right now. So Mm -hmm. maybe this is the time. Right. If you're hesitating, other people are, too. So that's that's really smart. So let me ask you this. Um, Do you have like a certain criteria? I know you do the, the you know, near the colleges and stuff, but do you also look at how many rooms you actually want to manage? Like, do you look at a house that's six bedrooms, four bedrooms, three bedrooms? Like when you're doing it, Ryan, uh, you've been in the game for a little while now. You have a few properties. But if mm-hmm. you're somebody who's new, like if I wanted to buy, mm-hmm. what do you think is a good uh, handle in the beginning? Yeah, so there's a couple of metrics um, you'll want to look at. The first one is the location. That's mm-hmm. like everyone says in real estate, location, location, location. Right. That's the one thing you can't change, right? right. Um, you can't pick up your house and move it like two miles down the road and that's a better neighborhood or whatever. Um, you can't do that. So the first thing you want to do is make sure you buy in a safe neighborhood that's also very close to the school. So if I can get within like a walking distance to campus, within like yeah, a 10 minute walking distance, mm-hmm. that's always going to be a high in demand property. I'm always going to have tenants, uh, depending again on a- after we do the market research, do we determine there's demand. Um, the second thing you want to do is actually buy a house with pretty large square footage. Um, so I basically have this rule where I divide by 300 and that's how many bedrooms I can have. So 1200 okay. divided by 300, 1200 square foot house means I could get four bedrooms in there because 1200 divided by 300 is four, uh, right. 1500 square foot house can typically get five bedrooms because 1500 divided by 300 is five and, and so on and so forth. So I try to buy larger houses so I can get to five, six maybe okay. seven bedrooms. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and again, you do want to also check again with your planning division to make sure that's okay. But um, if they're okay with set six, seven unrelated tenants, then yeah, I would, I would target those types of houses. Okay. So those are the biggest criteria for sure. And when you, when you um, think about the criteria that way, do you give them or well, as you're building your house out, right? So 1500 square feet, five, you know, five bedrooms. Do you think of the other aspects as well? Like, do, should you have a good kitchen area for them? Should you have multiple sets of bathrooms? Does each room get a bathroom? Like, how do you work that out in your math, in your head? Yeah, that's a great question. So for the bathroom question, we'll start with that. Um, you want to have at least uh, the max of three bedrooms to one bathroom. So three okay. tenants to one bathroom. So if you mm-hmm. have two shared bathrooms, the max you should have is six bedrooms. Six rooms. Okay. Three, three per bathroom, right? Um, the other thing is... 
for college students, they're used to the dormitory life where they're bunking with somebody else. They have like one huge, like common shared uh, bathroom already, right? And they don't even have a kitchen or they don't even have a living room, right? Um, right. But for us, obviously, we, we provide that kitchen. We provide one big, you know, beautiful living room slash dining room common space. Okay. And that's enough for students because a lot mm -hmm. of times they're either at school and they're or, or they're out with their friends, you know, and they're just at the house basically to sleep, take a shower and maybe eat breakfast or whatever. Other other times they're basically out of the house. So, so that's the other thing. It's kind of actually less wear and tear, believe it or not, because the mm -hmm. tenants aren't the, at the house too, too often. And they point. just need it to basically, yeah, stay in the room, study um, or maybe eat in the common area or hang out in the common area. And that's it. That's true. I didn't think of that. That's very, very yeah. true. Unless they're having a party, Ryan. Unless they're having a party. Yeah, exactly. And I try to <laughs> disincentivize that, obviously. So, right. you know, if you have like a family room, a living room, an office room, a bonus room, a library, whatever, basically I only need one, right? One right. for living slash dining. So the others could potentially become bedrooms. So I had right. several houses where to basically make a fifth bedroom, all I had to do was put furniture in the family room and maybe mm -hmm. put a door mm -hmm. up or something like that. Very mm -hmm. simple. So let me ask you um, a, a more personal question, I guess. So mm -hmm. for, for the time of, the, of of COVID and all that stuff happening and schools shutting down and all of that, how did you get to manage that? Were you able to at least have some students that stayed? Were you able to maybe rent it out to other people who didn't have anywhere to maybe rent or go? Or how did you manage the that whole two years of insanity? Oh, yeah, that was <laughs> very scary because... You know, when COVID hit, I, I'm not sure if you remember, but everyone was like, what's going to happen in the next couple of years? Everything's yeah. uncertain, right? And right. what happened is my school actually did close down and they went on to online learning. And so right. I had some people say, hey, can I get out of the lease? Um, so there's a couple of things I did uh, to handle that. First, I did a lot more marketing, a lot more outreach. Um, I also offered discounts like $100 off if you wanted to stay at the property. <clears throat> and I found that a lot of students still wanted to experience that college life yeah. and, or, or at least study with their friends because they already planned to move in with their friends and study together. Well, mm -hmm, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of them will, uh, classes were on Zoom, right? So they would go on Zoom together and watch, watch it from the same screen. Um, so a lot of kids, you know, they wanted to get away from their parents' house from maybe it was too chaotic yeah. and they needed, um, some space to, uh, hunker down and study and focus on, on their, uh, learning and, and getting their degree and everything like that. So mm -hmm. I actually was able to be fully occupied during that time. I had 23 wow. tenants. I was able to, you know, get all 23 rooms filled. Um, I had a little bit of, a obviously discount for a lot of the rooms, so, my cash or my rental income, gross rental income went from uh, $10,700 to about $9,300 per month. Oh, uh, but, you good. know, it's yeah. not. Yeah, I was still, still covering good. my mortgages like yeah. way over. Right. So, right. you know, even during the worst of times, uh, you know, the worst thing that could have happened happened. Right. Or one of the worst things that could have happened. Knock on wood. Right. We never yeah, know. Yeah. In the future, but. Um, yeah, one of the worst things happened, I was, I was still able to make it work um, during this time. It really just shows you like, once when hardship hits, um, you just got to get creative, you know, yeah. when, when you uh, have all that fear and stuff, you don't give into that fear, you basically focus on what can you do to mm -hmm, make mm -hmm. things work. And mm -hmm. surprise, surprise, you know, I was able to get all the rooms filled. 
That's amazing. That's a really good testimony of, you know, really working hard, right? Putting, putting your thought process into what you want to do. And, and really like, that was really, really smart because it, it's true. Like, as you mentioned, I'm like, that's true. A lot of these kids did not want to be stuck in the house with their parents 24 seven. That is tough. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that's really impressive too that you got you kept all the rooms filled. That's awesome, you know. Yeah, so I'm glad. Scary at the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it was. I mean, it was scary for a lot of people, right? I mean, if all of us, right? We're all in the same boat, literally together. Right. Um. So, um. You know, I know that what you have to offer just sounds really, really tempting. I know a lot of people are now listening and saying, "Oh my gosh, this is so smart," because it is really smart. And when you think about that, you know, um there's so much they can do. There's a lot of good colleges out there, right? There's yeah, a lot of good yeah. ones. So there's still yeah. a lot of room to play, a lot of room to play. So yeah. Ryan, um, before um, we close up here, I do want to know how people can contact you though, because I'm sure they're going to. So let us know how they contact you, how they can work with you, um, all that great stuff. Thank you so much, Nina. So if for those interested in pursuing the student housing model further, my website is uh, www.newbierealestateinvesting.com slash guide. That's where you get my free PDF guide uh, that will go through how I actually do this. And you also get a lot of tips and strategies and a lot of the mistakes that I made and how I overcame them. Um, again, it's www.newbierealestateinvesting.com dot com slash guide and newbie is spelled n-e-w-b-i-e that's the best way to contact me that's awesome that's really really great ryan thank you for coming on here and sharing this i i never heard the strategy before i love having new things to give to my audience i really appreciate your time and you coming on here thank you so much thank you oh yeah and thank you so awesome. much too for inviting me on the show i i had a I great time it. as well good great i love it guys you heard him this is really smart, like really smart. So you guys need to go ahead and hook up with Ryan. I'm going to make sure to put all of his information below. As you guys know, I like to bring things on here. That's going to really expand the way you think. I wanted to give a quick shout out to all of you and say, thank you for the 30,000 plus downloads that you have given me this month. You guys are amazing. I love you so much. This is Nina Perez, straight talk, no sugar added until next time. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 